0: Today on Season 4, Episode 9 of the Unknown Packers Podcast, the wild-off season continues for the Packers, and certain positions on the roster remain veiled in mystery. A fifth quarterback is signed, and we have a new face in the linebackers room. A couple of fan favorites get reworked deals, while the 2022 salary cap situation gets a little more complicated. Any camp wraps up, Aaron Rodgers stays away, and Mark Murphy likes to talk. We round out the episode with a fan question and some fill-in-the-blank. Hang in there, Packers fans. We are in for a brutal five weeks.
1: And now it's time for Before the Dead Zone. On tap.
0: This is Green Bay, Green Bay. Green Bay. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. Touchdown! Dagger! Al Harris! 56 go, yards!
1: Back, to a game winning touchdown! Green Bay Packers!
0: Go! Back, go! Back, go! 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 Go!
1: Green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow. let me yellow. tell you this, Green Bay is a great town. This is green Bay.
0: Green Bay. green Bay, green Bay, And welcome to the Unknown Packers podcast. I'm Bryce Christensen and with me is Big Bad Ken Ingles. And we are back recording, as you heard it, before the dead zone on tap from the soothing sexy sounds of Nebel's, our co-founder producer and magician behind the scenes. Want to do a quick shout out to him and all his lovely production work with Sonic Transformation. And first and foremost, uh, we're going to break down, as you heard in the intro, we're going to talk about uh, signings, uh, restructuring, what the salary cap ceiling looks like in 2022. In the second half, we're going to talk about minicamp, uh, the rest of OTAs, Aaron Rodgers, Mark Murphy will do a fan question, and we will wrap up for a fill-in-the-blank question before we have five weeks of dead zone inaction, if you will. But first and foremost, the Green Bay Packers added a new quarterback to the roster uh, last week, Thursday, which also had a corresponding move, and with that move, they released defensive lineman Anthony Rush to make room for yet another quarterback, Jake Dolagala. And uh he was on or he was at minicamp on a tryout basis, but earned a roster spot after three days. And we're gonna talk about all these different corresponding moves and and signings. But Ken, what is your take with uh, Dogala being the fifth quarterback in this quarterback room right now?
1: You know what? I don't really I don't know how important it is who that number fifth quarterback is over the fact that a fifth quarterback exists. I think that's probably the biggest kind of exclamation point with that signing. I think the Green Bay Packers are looking to make sure that they have four arms in camp. And, you know, as of right now, it does not look like our fearless leader, Aaron Rodgers, is going to be showing up anytime soon. And so at the end of the day, I think it's more or less just a number signing. If you look at all the three off-season quarterbacks the Packers have brought on board, you know, Blake Bortles, Kurt Benkert, and now Jake Dalagawa. They're all minimum deals. Like, even Blake Bortles, right? Think about him, first-round, former first-round draft pick. Um, he signed for the veteran minimum. And so, mm-hmm. you know, these guys are just kind of here to play their part. Um, I don't think there's going to be too much competition to potentially push um, our boy Jordan Love for that backup or starting role come regular season, depending on what Rodgers decides to do.
0: Yeah, uh, that's a great point. Uh, He is now the fifth quarterback. uh, Rodgers, Jordan Love, Blake Bortles, and Kurt Benkert. Now this full roster is at 90 players, so that's why the move of cutting uh, Anthony Rush was made. And I thought it was interesting. He spent all 16 games of his rookie season on the active roster for the Cincinnati Bengals getting into one game uh, even though that the Bengals had Joe Burrow with the number one overall pick, they had Dolgala there as well. He re- They released him at the end of training camp last summer. He spent most of the 2020 season on New England's practice squad, but then was released after the 2021 draft. He auditioned with the Atlanta Falcons at their rookie camp, but was not signed. And now he gets to put on the green and gold, so that quarterback position group will be interesting five weeks from now when uh, training camp Begins And also, talking about general manager Brian Gutekunst, when he said he was never going to leave any stone unturned, he's been busy. And you mentioned this on several podcasts at the tail end of the Packers roster. He's always looking at improving, reshuffling, and Dolgallo was not the only person that the Packers brought in. They also brought in Devondre Campbell. And according to Rob Demaske of ESPN, it's a one-year deal worth two million, and that comes with a little over a million signing bonus and a base salary of nine hundred and ninety thousand. I want a salary cap check, Ken. Is that correct?
1: That is correct. The interesting thing here, though, too, is that the Packers are are making good use of their void year structure. Which uh, right, man, they didn't really use going coming up to this season, and now they're going all in with these uh, void years. Yeah. Two million dollar deal, but they spread this over five years. That $1 million dollar signing bonus, so there'll be about eight hundred plus of change next season, assuming that Campbell does not get extended and that he in his, vo- or his contract voids as scheduled. That'll cost you know for next season if he's not even here. So that's kind of an interesting kind of pattern we're seeing with not only Campbell but with a lot of these veterans. Uh, familiar names that we've seen on the Packers from years past that we've kind of done this pushing out money game. And it's kind of interesting that even just a, a cheaper guy, you know, $2 million contract, they've they've gone to that structure as well. But what I think this means, honestly, if you look at the Campbell signing, you know, $1 million signing bonus, that pretty much means he's a lock to make the team. You don't pay a guy a million dollars and then cut him two months later unless he's a complete failure in training camp. So if you look at it, you look at the inside linebacker group, you can almost pencil in, not pencil in, put in pen and ink here, that Barnes, Martin, and Campbell are going to be your top three backers heading into the season. And all three previous years under Gudkuns, they've kept only four inside backers um, on average. And who does that leave? I think it's down between Oren Burks, Ty Summers, and their draft pick uh, McDuffie. And there's a real solid chance that both Oren Burks and Ty Summers, both former draft picks who Packer fans have expected a lot out of, but have been kind of disappointed in recent years, why not make this squad? That's a great point.
0: Doing a little bit of a prognostication with that inside linebacker group, we've been dying for some stability. I mean, Blake Martinez was stable. We were looking for a little bit more oomph, and we we might have that, especially with Kamal Martin. He was uh, the it guy at training Mm -hmm. camp last year uh, after the Packers spent a fifth-round pick on him coming out of Minnesota. Then he had uh, a leg injury and and missed most of the season, got back in towards the tail end. You got to see a little bit of action. Uh, He's a thumper. He's an excited guy. Might get a little too excited. So this year-two jump for Kamal Martin is going to be huge. And you've got Chris Barnes, who was the undrafted free agent darling last year, who uh, manned inside linebacker for all of the season last year, outside of a couple games? Correct me if I'm not uh, if I'm wrong on that. I know that he had missed, uh, I think at least two games at that position. But when you're looking at Devondre Campbell, he gets reunited with Coach Lafleur because Campbell spent his first four NFL seasons with the Atlanta Falcons, and and Lafleur was. Uh, uh, the quarterback's coach, in 2016 when Campbell was there. So he's been a starter for all of five seasons. And even though he hasn't made the Pro Bowl, he's a consistent and solid starting caliber linebacker is what you're reading right now. I think it's an interesting move again. Right, you, right into training camp, you're seeing Gudakunst. And the one thing about Gudakunst that I I wanted to mention is that comparing Ted Thompson to him, where Ted Thompson sort of regurgitated the same thing over and over again, really didn't like talking to the media. I'm not really sure Brian Gutekunst really likes talking (laughs) to the media anyway, but he's more candid. And the more he talks, the more we should really pay attention to what he's saying, because he really talked about fortifying that quarterback position group. He talked about inside linebacker group not being done. And here he is bringing in Dolgala and also Devondre Campbell. I find it fascinating that you mentioned, put it in pen that uh, he'll make this 53-man roster. So that inside linebacker positional group will be another one to keep an eye on once training camp resumes. Now getting into the fun stuff, not to uh, throw shade at what we were just talking about, but fun stuff of, it's been a while since we've recorded and we're, we're packing in a lot of information and you're probably wondering, why aren't we talking about minicamp? We will talk about that in the second half. But uh, the re-signings and restructurings is what I wanted to mention or talk to you about with Dean Lowry and Robert Tunyon. Break it down for me, the moves with, with Dean Lowry and uh, my boy, the Sycamore, Robert Tunyon.
1: Yeah, I know you're excited to talk about uh, your boy here. So start with uh start with uh, Tunyon right off the bat. So Tunyon's interesting case. You know, there was... Little debate whether or not he would be coming back this season um, on a restricted free agent tender. Packers, what they they placed a second round tender on him, meaning that another team would be free to sign him. But if they did, and the Packers didn't match that, Packers would get a second round pick as a compensation reward for allowing Tanya to sign with another team. You know, there's some conversation about you know it's kind of surprised that no other team tried to grab him for that second mm-hmm. round pick. Um, maybe it's Again, with this year and the draft being uncertain or with the, the cap crunch, who knows? But it's a one-year, $3.38 million deal. And typically, that's all it is. It's base salary. But again, the Packers doing what they need to do um, in this financial kind of struggle that we're facing. They, after uh, Tunyon signed his tender, which was, um, I believe, early in the week of minicamp, mm-hmm. um, that news broke. Or maybe before, where so he signed that deal. So then that officially becomes, you know, a one year contract at that $3.38 million, And they immediately restructured it again, just like they've done with almost every single veteran on this team. Added four void years to it and they pushed $1.8 million of that to hit next year's cap. So again, it, the contract voids. And he had to get into specifics. I don't, I don't think I have it with Tanyan yet, but where X amount of days before the 2022 season starts, the contract is void, right? So he wouldn't be he wouldn't be under contract. And so he he he's set to be an unrestricted free agent next season. I would think that he'd be assuming he's gonna be a focal point of this offense, as we've heard hinted by the that they're gonna to need to try and make an effort to to extend him next season. There's a temporary kind of move to restructure him and get that you know, almost $2 million, but man, he's going to be a focal point, I believe, for this offense and potentially a player that uh, can be a real game-changer for this Othor offense in the future for Aaron Rodgers or Jordan Love. Who
0: knows? Right. Hey, I got a follow-up question then with this. So adding four voidable years to Tunyon's contract mm-hmm. with him then uh, being an unrestricted free agent next year, what does that say the Packers bring him back? What does that contract look like then when they've got four avoidable years on that? So
1: the way that would work, so they of that 3.38 million, um, mm-hmm. they took 2.35 of it and they just called it a signing bonus. okay but it's it's just for paper purposes, it's just for accounting purposes. He still gets paid the same amount every week. Like the, his paychecks literally will not change one cent from week one to week eighteen now of the league. He's going to get the same. It's just the way of they're calling it, and what that does is it ba- basically spreads that that signing bonus amounts over five years instead of right. all hitting in one year. And so it's about four hundred and seventy k, little under each year. So if they do extend them before the contract voids, well now the year 2022, 23, 24, and 25, the next four years, basically the starting cost is 470 K. Then any added, other deal just kind of gets added on top of that gotcha. per year. Gotcha. So assuming okay. next year, he does like a four year extension. He's got to kind of add that 470 K per year.
0: Oh, if they okay. don't
1: bring them back, that 470 times four, which is $1.88 million, would all hit next season, again, for a player not on the team. And that's kind of the risk with these void years and these restructures that the Packers have been uh, thrown out like candy from a parade float, is, is that uh, if you don't intend, if these players that we've done these void contracts on, if you don't intend to keep them, they become very
0: expensive to, to cut or to not have on your team.
1: And those will all add up next year, unfortunately.
0: Well, right before that follow-up question, I, you were talking about Robert Tunyon and his impact. I mean, coming off 11 touchdowns, um, I think he was the second most efficient tight end in the NFL next to Travis Kelsey. Didn't and he have
1: more touchdown catches than incompletions or drops?
0: To, oh, that's a great I, I, That's a great stat. I believe
1: that's the stat that we saw. Like The guy caught more touchdowns than he had incomplete passes thrown his way, which is insane. And
0: I've heard about how Tunyon is really a perfect fit for Coach LeFleur because Coach LeFleur and his design allows Tunyon to get open. And granted, he's probably a perfect complement to Matt LeFleur and this offense, but the dude still has to execute. And mm-hmm. he's been, like you said, more touchdowns and incompletions, he's been executing flawlessly. I mean, this is a guy that was brought on to the Detroit Lions, then was cut, and then he was this training camp sort of darling where I fell in love with him under uh, the last year of McCarthy. And what you're seeing now is he's blossoming into a, a legit tight end, and quite possibly you could be looking at a Pro Bowl tight end. And that's just not my green and, green and gold, rose trim glasses. You know that Coach Lafleur. Has high priority when it comes to tight ends, and we'll talk about Jay Sternberger mm. in a little bit when we wrap up this first half. But you're looking at Tunyon, you're looking at what J- Josiah DeGuara, a uh, big dog, Mercedes Lewis, and what he's been doing in in, in minicamp as well. He's not just a guy that is there for just his veteran experience. I think he's also going to produce in this offense as well. I'm I'm super excited to see what Tunyon does now that he's got. Uh, a little bit more financial security. He feels that the Packers are all in on him as well, and he's got a lot to prove. Maybe he wants this a bigger contract going into next year. But this is a guy that he says all the right things. He's a workout warrior, and I, I can't wait to see what uh, really what you're looking at is possibly even more of a breakout year for him. He was a surprise last year. This could be a legit uh, solidifying uh, breakout for him. Yeah, I'm ex- I can't wait, man. I'm excited.
1: You know, recording with you week in and week out, you know, hearing you pound the table for this guy and watching it all come th- <laughs> you know, come alive before our eyes and watch this guy blossom. I'm excited for, it, man. I'm here for it.
0: Especially when we didn't really know if he would come back given what the salary cap uh, was looking like and I know that you had uh, tweeted out and you've also mentioned in in a couple episodes about how brace yourself, Bryce, that Tunyon might not be back. So to have him... And you're
1: not going to let me forget that one, are you?
0: I had to just slide that in there just a little bit. But I'm with you. Uh, I think the sky's a limit with him. And excited to see whoever the quarterback is. I think that uh, he's going to be a huge part of this offense. Just getting more comfortable in this offense. Mm -hmm. And uh, he's got all those uh, intangibles that you want. And he was undrafted free agent, too, out of Indiana State. So a guy that wasn't highly looked at, and look what he's doing right now. Also, a, a surprise guy that you had talked about possibly being a cut is Dean Lowry and how they converted what his $3.11 million of his $4.11 million salary into a signing bonus, which created about $2.5 in cap room. Salary cap, check that for me. I I, I need to... Always want to make sure I dot my I's and cross my T's, that but sounds about right. What are your thoughts on that? And does that sort of ink him uh, making this 53-man roster? You know what?
1: At one point, Dean Lowry and Aaron Rodgers were the only two players not on rookie contracts with multiple years remaining that had not been restructured. And obviously, there are many reasons at this point as to why the Packers have not restructured Aaron Rodgers... But Dean Lowry was kind of that wild card in my mind. It was sticking out like a sore thumb. Like, why haven't they touched him? They literally touched every other deal. Why not his? And my kind of thought that was in the back of my mind was, I bet you they're waiting till after the draft to see what they come up with at defensive tackle or defensive end. If there's some opportunity to potentially move on and get a $4.8 million cap savings along the way. Well, it turns out what the Packers did is they waited until after June. And then that's when they did their restructure and they got two and a half million dollars. So a little over half of, you know, what the potential could have been, but they get to keep the player. But again, they had three more void years on top of it. Unfortunately, Unbelievable. right. Again, it's they're just throwing these out. Like I say, like, a, you know, tossing candy from a parade float, <laughs> just handfuls. You, know, you get a void year. You get a void year. <laughs> Opera uh, Oprah, Oprah style. And so, next year, it's going to be, you know, tough to see if he'll be able to stick on this team because by pushing out that money, um, it makes next year even more expensive. But um, obviously, I you know I think the Packers feel like Dean is someone who could still contribute on this team on this on this D line, and you know, give it one more shot.
0: Now. Before we wrap up the first half of before the dead zone on tap, what el- what does the salary cap ceiling look like then moving forward?
1: Oh, okay. So there was some news that came out um, during some of the times that we were off, and this is new. Like I've I've not seen this ever happen. But again, COVID, <laughs> COVID mm-hmm. in the NFL made a lot of things kind of unique experiences for the past you know two seasons. It looks like now. So next year, they're already talking about what the salary cap could potentially look like. Obviously, that was a big topic of conversation all throughout Packer Nation, especially on this podcast, um, where I would speculate a lot. But they've set a cap. The NFL and the Players Association set a cap of the cap, which is, mm. I, again, I, I've never seen this, where they're saying that the cap cannot increase beyond $208.2 million which would be a $25.7 million increase from where it's at today. If, let's say, the cap should be higher based off of how you know all the numbers crunch together and if they say it should be 215 or anything above that 208 number, that's going back to pay benefits that the players did not get from this COVID season in 2020. Each team, I forget the number off the top of my head at, uh, while I'm recording this, but each team's sacrifice, I believe it was like, Ten to fifteen million dollars. Um, it may even be thirty, but again, I don't take my don't take that right now because I, I don't know exactly where it's at. But it's it's a significant amount per team that they could not play pay players this year. That they said we'll have to pay you back three or four years down the road. Uh-huh. So what they're saying is now we're going to cap it at that two oh eight number. And if it does calculate higher, we will. Pay some of those benefits earlier than kind of what we had originally deferred due to COVID. Okay. So that'll be interesting. $25.7 million increase is a significant increase. However, it's still kind of behind where we would have been had COVID not existed and the cap would have kind of had normal projected growth. And unfortunately, again, that 27 point or 25.7 million sounds like a great increase. Until you look at what the Packers did this year to get under the cap and to be able to sign some more players uh, and bring the band back together, yeah. they've already used 22 million of that 25.7 on next year costs from restructures and void years. So when you have Bakhtiari, Zayarius Smith, Adrian Amos, mm-hmm. Billy Turner, Preston Smith, I'm not done. Kevin King, Dean Lowry, <laughs> Tunyon, mm-hmm. Mason Crosby. Mercedes Lewis and now Campbell, the 100 Campbell. All these guys, it, we're going to have them on the roster in 2021, but because of the way they structured the deal, we got to pay for them in 2022. Basically, oh, we're I splitting see. the costs, right? And so it's the Packers are putting themselves kind of at a disadvantage. You know, think about running a race, you know, hundred meter race, and you know, you having to run 122 uh meters and everyone else running a hundred that's kind of where they're at because they've kind of put themselves in this hole um it'll be interesting next year but we hadn't had a chance to talk about that cap ceiling announcement uh as we've had a few week
0: hiatus right oh man i love that analogy too because the beautiful thing about how you articulate the salary cap as well as everything about you know football when we're recording uh you on Twitter at Ken Ingalls is that you break it down simply where I'm like, oh, okay, so you're talking about this. And I'm like, okay, I think I grasp what's going on. And then you bring down that hundred meter analogy. And it's like, oh, now I know this even more. Like it's a little bit more crystal clear for me. So it's a really beautiful characteristic that you have that I'm grateful for. So I wanted to give that it's due. And as we wrap up before the dead zone on tap, Be remiss to talk real quickly about uh, the Jay Sternberger news Ah, yes. who was suspended without pay for the first two games of the 2021 regular season for violating the NFL policy and program on substances of abuse. He will be able to participate in all offseason and preseason practices and games. Sternberger will be eligible to return to the Packers active roster on Tuesday, September 21st following the team's week two game versus Detroit. And he actually addressed the elephant in the room on what Mm -hmm. this was and he said that he uh, was on antidepressants and he was drinking and he fell asleep behind the wheel and owned it said that uh, it's never good to drink and drive uh the green bay packers are the first to be notified and uh owning that and and saying that he'll do better and he's going to learn from that but since he was drafted um in the third round same year as um rashawn gary and darnell savage that 2019 season what is it the highest tight end that the packers have drafted since jermichael finley and i think wow yeah um so you're looking at a guy that has high draft stock and you're looking at a guy that really uh, a lot of things have not gone his way Uh, the joint practices with the houston texans where he got you know, just his bell rung, um, head on a swivel, uh, unnecessary hit by, I believe, Lonnie Jackson. Of, Sounds um, right. Of the Houston Texans. And ever since then, he just hasn't seemed to, everything hasn't seemed to go his way uh, according to what we had thought about when the Packers had drafted him in 2019 in the third round. So, with that said, him being suspended without pay for the first two games of the season, I, I asked this question, with the tight end group, I just mentioned, you know, Robert Tunyon, Mercedes Lewis, Josiah Deguara, you got Dominique Daphne, Uh, is there a possibility that Jay Sternberger wouldn't make the 53-man roster, given this recent news?
1: Well, I, I can answer this a few different ways. If I look at those tight ends, and you try and ask yourself, where does Jay Sternberger fit in? It's probably the fourth or fifth tight end, assuming you consider Daphne and Deguara, you know, in that tight end group, um, you know, Sternberger's kind of like, I guess, number two behind Tunyon in terms of like a downfield threat type of tight end, man, he's, he he was kind of a, you know, for me, when I'm looking at a 53 man roster, he kind of seems like one of those bubble players, you know, unfortunate situations hasn't been able to stay healthy or be on the field. And, you know, now the suspension, I can answer this clearly. He definitely will not be on the fifty-three man roster because, as he's suspended, right. he would start on a reserve list. Mm-hmm. Um, so he definitely won't make that fifty-three. Now it's whether the Packers want to pay him while he's on this reserve list, or to kind of carry that contract while he's on this reserve list, and then also have you know another player on the you know that's that fifty-third guy. That gets that. There's a question mark there. If they do keep him around, how it works is he doesn't get paid his base salary or his signing bonus. Even though that signing bonus was from a few years ago, he has to he has to um, forfeit that. So it's ninety four thousand of base salary and twenty seven almost twenty eight thousand dollars of his previous signing bonus has to be recovered. These aren't those optional things that the. Packers can or cannot do, but you know there the, there is a cost with you know keeping this guy, mm-hmm. you know even on the reserve list, not having to pay that because you also have to pay his replacement at the same time. It's like with an injured player, like if you know last year you think about a guy like Lane Taylor, right? He was on right. the injured reserve list all year, and the Packers not only had to pay for him and his. Replacement on the fifty-three man roster, so you kind of double dip. Are the Packers going to want to do that? How many more chances does this guy get? Um, I think that'll be an interesting thing to watch through training camp and this last week of OTAs to see how involved Sternberger really is in this offense and on special teams. Because you know, ultimately at this point, he has to be to have be a contributor on teams because he really hasn't been able to crack that starting lineup and get meaningful snaps on offense. So. I think it's a big question mark and something to definitely watch the remainder of this offseason.
0: Crazy. Uh, entering his third year right now, and uh, he's in a real precarious situation even you know, even before uh, the news of his suspension. So uh, wish him all the best in um, what happens moving forward. And a theme for the first half is a lot of things to keep an eye on when training camp begins in about five weeks. Uh, we're going to take a quick commercial break. And we will start off the second half talking about minikame. Be right back after this. Go Pack.
1: This episode is brought to you by Sonic Transformation. Check us out at www.sonictransformation.com. Sonic Transformation, your sound
0: refined. And we are back with the second half of Before the Dead Zone on tap. And we're going to talk about minicamp. So the first phase, April 19th to May 14th. You had the second phase, May 17th to May 21st. And now the third phase will be culminated by the end of the week, uh, June 18th, depending on when you are listening to this episode. But that third phase, May 24th to June 18th, you were looking at OTAs as well as minicamp last week, June 8th through the 10th, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, was Packers' mandatory minicamp. And so, like I mentioned, voluntary OTAs will continue through the 18th. Um, That Thursday will be the last time the entire team will be together until training camp takes place at the end of July. And I think the big elephant in the room and something that was not a surprise to many, including yourself, Ken, is uh, Aaron Rodgers was not present for mandatory minicamp um, so he was also willing to miss out on his 500000 workout bonus by skipping OTAs. And now for missing minicamp, correct me if I'm wrong, $93,085. That is if the Packers for- make him pay it. But uh, this will be a real interesting sort of uh, litmus test when it comes to Rodgers and the Packers' relationship holding up. As we inch towards training camp, it's written in the CBA that a player is to be fined fifty thousand per day missed, and unlike in the past, the team can't refund any of that money if things become resolved. So, financially speaking, Aaron Rodgers missing uh, mini camp wasn't a surprising move. But whether or not the Packers actually do um, levy those fines, I, I haven't heard anything. Have Have you heard anything? And if if so, I would assume that they would probably keep that in-house unless Mark Murphy decides to uh, address it at uh, some <laughs> yeah. sort of
1: conference. <laughs> yeah, those fines are usually held pretty close to the vest. A lot of times you hear those from my from my followings in the cap world and everything. Usually if we hear about them, it's because the team wants you to hear about them, and it's kind of PR being played in the media. With this Rodgers thing being as sensitive as it is, I'm not surprised that we haven't heard any word on it. Um, again, it is at 93 $1000 and oh plus the 85 don't forget that um 93085 you know the team what they could do there they could potentially write a letter saying you will be fined but they could also let, later on choose to ignore it or forgive it the dumb and I, dumber approach Lloyd <laughs> Christmas <laughs> right iou got yes, to that one right oh yeah yeah that's a that's a big <laughs> one right so they they can forgive those type of things assuming roger's decides to come back so I, I don't think it's one of those things where they could, at the end of training camp, go back and be like, oh, well, now we're upset. We're now going to go back and get your $93,000. I think they have to make a decision now. Mm, okay. and But again, no no news on that front. and But again, in terms of the overall where Aaron Rodgers could potentially lose out on money by not showing up, that $93,000 is just a drop in the bucket.
0: And we're not going to... We'll talk a little bit more about Aaron Rodgers um, actually halfway through the second half. But with Aaron Rodgers skipping minicamp, you got to see Jordan Love. And the last recording that we had, O.T. Hay on tap, was, hey, this is Jordan Love's time. And I'm sure Nathaniel Hackett, Coach LaFleur, Brian Gutekunst & Company were excited to see Jordan Love get uh, QB1 snaps. In years past, they sort of divvied it up where Rodgers would have a handful and then you saw Boyle and um get a lot as well as you know Brett Hundley in the past and uh, Jordan Love last year now this mini camp man Jordan Love got the bulk of oh yeah the reps uh Blake Bortles had just a, a-, a few uh Kirk Banker I think had only two or three two or three and Jordan Love uh was in the 20s and When you're looking at Jordan Love, day one, day two, day three, he was all over the place, which is to be expected. This is a redshirt sort of uh, year considering what happened last year. And um, overall, though, uh, what he completed 40 of 70 passes, 57.1% completion during the 11 on 11 competitive rounds over the three days. He was 12 of 23 for day one. Twenty of thirty-one day two, which was argued. I mean, if you were following any all the beat writers on on Twitter, Jordan Love was on fire. It was so uh, evident that you had offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, as well as um, I think uh, tight ends coach uh, Jason Outen, fanning him because he was um, too hot, too hot because he was uh, wheeling and dealing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take these little positives and. You're seeing him continue to develop uh, moving forward. Uh, day three, he was eight of sixteen. So compared to last season, he only attempted sixty-four passes during team eleven-on-eleven uh, 11 periods in all of training camp last summer as a third quarterback, completing thirty-seven. I'm sorry, uh, completing fifty-seven point eight percent of his passes. So Jordan Love uh, struggled on um, day one. Uh, was exceptional on day two and then was uh, so-so on day three. But you also got to see a lot of the coaches, a lot of the players talk about how excited they are of Jordan Love. I mean, granted, what are you going to say? But at the same time, Jordan Love also fielded questions from the media in his press conferences, and I was really impressed. You could tell that he was nervous, but I was Mm -hmm. really impressed with his poise. He sort of got a ton of questions thrown at him regarding Aaron Rodgers, and I thought he answered them quite well. So if I'm Coach Lafleur, if I'm if i'm Brian Gutekunst and how Jordan Love has handled the first 2 years of 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 his tenure here in Green Bay i got to be impressed with his poise his composure and uh let's see if he can continue to scaffold in training camp this is going to be a big training camp for Jordan mm-hmm. Love obviously right right yeah i'm excited you know
1: you look at this you look at this guy and it's basically his rookie season mm-hmm. last year no offseason program whatsoever Abbreviated training camp, no preseason games. Like he was basically put on the shelf for next year.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like he got a handful of reps in in practice. Like the thing about playing in the NFL is you can't do it on a computer screen. You can't do it in a classroom. You have to be able to do it on the field, right? And he's getting his chance. And man, he's getting the jackpot of a chance. right Right. last year he got to sit and watch behind the league's best player who plays quarterback and just absorb that like a sponge and now this year he's just that player decides not Mm -hmm. he doesn't want to show up and so now you get to have the qb1 reps at camp like from a developmental quarterback position that he hit the jackpot and i said that you know when we recorded a few weeks ago like This is the best possible opportunity that he has right now to develop as a quarterback. It was no secret that the Packers drafted him knowing that he had a two or three year runway in front of him to be ready to play quarterback in the NFL. But man, this is a great opportunity. And, you know, something that Andrew Brandt has been saying for the past couple of weeks, um, former Packers VP, that I find very interesting is that He's he's been having conversations on Twitter saying that the Packers would never admit this publicly, but they're probably very okay with the fact that Aaron Rodgers is not at OTAs and minicamp right now and potentially through training camp so that they can see and evaluate what Jordan Love can do. He makes no secret about when when Favre was here, and he decided he didn't want to show up to most of the offseason programs where the Packers – love that because they got to see what they had in Rogers mm-hmm. and
0: it's a great point.
1: And so, you know, I know that there's a lot being made that Rogers isn't there and the Packers are saying all the right things. You know, we want them to be here in the worst way. You know, we're still working through things, but I think privately they're like, we need to see what we have. You know, we traded up in the first round for this guy and he's a potential heir apparent to, you know, have the keys of the kingdom here. We need to ha- you know be able to, you know, have, all the reps we can and this is the perfect opportunity so I think privately they're not sweating too much so far and let's see what have let's see what happens when we get closer to training camp and right. uh, you know if they're still looking at a situation where potentially rogers isn't uh, too keen on coming back to the team <laughs> where the nerves are at that point
0: uh, talk about recouping what was lost last year. Like you said, um, was put on the shelf essentially, and then now gets all these QB one reps. It's wild to think about. If you would ask me right after the NFC Championship game, would be would we be here right now? What we're experiencing in minicamp, I would say I, you, you're out of your mind. But right. I'm okay. Like it was a lot of fun uh, last week following Jordan Love, and um, this team is stacked. This is a legit roster that Brian Gutekunst has assembled from top to bottom, and he continues to sort of sift through and try to find these hidden gems, um, these rough diamonds that possibly can make an impact uh, this season, which we already talked about in the first half with uh, especially Devondre Campbell. But as we're, as we're wrapping up the, the minicamp talk before we, we pivot into uh, Mark Murphy and fan questions and fill in the blank, what stood out to you in the camp outside of Rogers not being there outside of, um, not the coordinated effort of the wide receivers, not being there as well. Were there a couple players or a player of mine that uh, stood out to you or that you were really excited to read up on?
1: Yeah. Um, I think, you know, me, I like always like to go back and look at that offensive line and, Ben Braden, Mister Mister Mr., um, number your boy, yeah, number fifty four on the fifty three man roster um, was <laughs> up and down several times last year, whether elevated, active roster, all throughout the season, and talking about how, where he has a potential to be in a competition for a starting job at guard right. and tackle, and he's been he's been at left tackle, he's been at right tackle, he's been at both guard positions with the ones. Also, your boy Royce Newman fourth round draft pick this year, playing tackle, playing guard at both, you know, both sides of the line with the ones, I think that's very intriguing and it allows there to be a lot of versatility. And I think that uh, we're going to see some very competitive offensive line play in training camp and the Packers brought in what, six interior offensive linemen, or I should say primarily interior offensive linemen Mm -hmm. the past two seasons. Some have the versatility to play outside as well. I think there's going to be some very tough uh, cuts trying to figure out a 53-man roster here, and there's going to be some potential names and some players that we're used to seeing in uniform you know, on the street instead this year.
0: I feel like you took a sneak peek at, at my notes because oh, gotcha. I, I had Ben Braden and Royce Newman as two players that really stuck out to me in OTAs. Um, when you had a uh, left guard or really... Um, Jack of all trades, Elton Jenkins, who was out due to the COVID protocol. And then also left tackle, David Bakhtiari, who's rehabbing from his uh, torn ACL that he suffered back in December. And then also with Corey Lindsley over in um, San Diego or Los Angeles Chargers, you had two rookies getting a lot of the first team reps. You had second round center, Josh Myers, who um, took all the reps um, at center. And then you had that fourth round tackle slash guard Royce Newman with that beautiful, beautiful mullet um, getting snaps at right tackle on Wednesday and Thursday of minicamp. Billy Turner, the usual right tackle, took uh, Bakhtiari's place at left tackle. So it was really fun to see uh, some of the Green Bay Packers beat writers uh, tweet out who was rolling with the ones on the offensive line. And to see Ben Braden and Royce Newman on there, that that surprised me. And it's also making me really, really giddy because uh, a great offensive line um, helps Jordan Love if he's the quarterback. And so we're both offensive line uh, freaks, if you will. The game is one in the trenches, and we've experienced, in not in recent memory, knock on wood, but in years past where offensive line sometimes was our weakest link. So fortifying that position. But I really wanted to highlight this. Offensive line coach... Adam Stenevich, who's a a bona fide head coach in the making, said this about Ben Braden. I'm really excited about Ben to see what's going to happen with him. If he gets a whole offseason under his belt, a couple of preseason games, I think he's really going to compete for a starting job at guard or tackle. This isn't a guy that might make the 53-man roster. They're talking about him starting. Uh, That is uh, blowing my mind right now, thinking about Ben Braden, and to be completely honest, um, If it wasn't for this podcast, if it wasn't for you talking about Ben Braden, he'd be a guy that I'd be sleeping on. So for for this name to be spotlight or spotlit during uh mini camp was so impressive. And it's something that I'm going to keep an eye on as training camp r- rolls around. The thing with Royce Newman, here's a guy, fourth round. So David Bakhtiari being a fourth round draft pick as well. Colorado, you're looking at uh, Royce Newman, who has that size to play tackle, um, but also can move and pull really well at guard. So you're looking at another versatile piece. I try to temper my expectations with him being a rookie coming out of Ole Miss fourth round draft pick, but man, when you're talking about um, a versatile lineman lining up with the first unit at right tackle and right right guard during a mini camp that's something that has to get you excited. So I wanted to share that as well. Those are, obviously, love was a focal point of my attention, mm-hmm. but I kept seeing Ben Braden and, and Royce Newman's name just popping up left and right throughout mandatory minicamp. So, so I'll, add, really I'll, add one thing, about.
1: I'll add one thing on the defensive side of the ball because I know we both kind of uh, peek at each other's notes, apparently, on the offensive line, but that's just, hey, it's who we are. But... um. <laughs> You know, another thing I guess that um, kind of stood out to me is the uh, the secondary so far. It's it's same old, same old. Sounds like we've got Jair and King on the outside starting right now with Sullivan in that, that slot, slot star, star position. position. Yeah. And Eric Stokes is rotating in and out. I think he had, what, a big interception? Pick six. Pick six, yeah, to the yeah. house. Mm-hmm. So that's good to see. But it's interesting that, you know, the Packers are taking kind of different approaches with their rookies. You know, you get look at a guy like Josh Myers, who's taken every single snap at center at the ones. And then, but yet our first round pick is kind of being eased in. But again, that's cornerbacks, that tough position to make that transition, but not a, not a bad problem to have. If your first round pick is your first guy off the bench uh, coming in to to spell some guys. So excited to see what happens there. Also, looking like savage and amos are moving around a little bit more Uh, i know a lot of packers fans have been hoping for that um that we didn't see that under the previous coordinator but then man who does that leave who's that leave right now is that what will redmond's getting a lot of those snaps um back Mm -hmm. at safety i know that he's a polarizing figure uh, for packers fans in that safety position so but you know that also stood out to me. Just kind of Vernon Scott, maybe. Or, yeah, yeah. I've got him. Henry Black. Yeah. Oh, I'm here for Henry Black and Vernon Scott, Jackpot, man, baby. I'm here for him. I can't wait to, can't wait to watch them with, when the twos and threes come out there to see what they can do and potentially uh, make a name for themselves on the back end of that uh, safety depth chart.
0: For sure. Uh, I'm glad that you mentioned um, that slot, that star position, because Joe Barry um, has has really highlighted that. Where he even said, "You, you can't have." To, you can't have a limit on, on nickel corners and they really need to act like a linebacker. So when you're looking at that, it, it sort of made me think about Darnell Savage. I mean, he's a little bit more deadly when he's closer to the line of scrimmage where he's roaming around. So that star position, um, will it be Chan and Sullivan? Will they have Jair in the slot? Much like what Jalen Ramsey was like, uh, for the Rams under Stalia, defensive coordinator. And so definitely, I'm glad that you mentioned that. And also, uh, a fifth round draft pick, uh, Jean Charles um, out of Appalachian uh, State, who has been said to be a very savvy, instinct, instinctful, or instinctive, and intelligent player. Um, granted, tempering your expectations a little bit, but uh, Packers are liking what they see out of him too. So, looking like uh, this year's draft class is going to contribute, and looking like a lot of healthy and fun, competitive uh, positional battles as we inch closer and closer to. Training camp, now with that said, before we talk about fan questions real quick, this is kind of a nice little, I guess, pause, but um, Mark Murphy, this past Thursday, so a week ago, um, we're recording on June 14th, he said, I'm often reminded though of Ted Thompson. As most of you know, just a great general manager passed away earlier this year. Murphy said this at an event at Lambeau. Uh, Thompson often talked about Aaron that he's a dot, 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 and it wasn't just Aaron, a lot of different players. He would say he's a complicated fellow, so I'll just say that, and I wanted to talk about this because Murphy Takes Five where it's a it's a monthly column. It's the first week of the month where Mark Murphy takes five questions, and he said this earlier. Earlier this month, where he said the situation we face with Aaron Rodgers has divided our fan base. The emails and letters that I've received reflect this fact. As I wrote here last month, we remain committed to resolving things with Aaron and want him to be our quarterback in 2021 and beyond. We are working to resolve the situation. And realize that uh, the less both sides say publicly, the better. So interesting that Mark Murphy in his uh, in his monthly column talks about how both sides. To say less publicly, yet a, a week or so later, he addresses everyone and talks about how Aaron Rodgers is a complicated fellow. What's your take on this, Ken? I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> uh,
1: like <laughs> I think there's way too many people who think that Mark Murphy is like this... I Demigod? I, I don't even know. Like that he's got... He's like this sinister figure pulling right. all the strings at Green Bay and like the dude is in charge of making money and like honestly the actual football part of his job is much less than I think the average fan would would realize it's probably like 20% maybe of his role his job is to increase the value of the of the green Bay Packers to make money and to grow the brand and grow the franchise, grow title town district marketing contracts, TV deals, etc. Right. That's his job. And to be a de facto owner at these meetings, the X's and O's and what plays should be run. And all oh, the, all the player or what now the coach and the GM and Russ ball all report to Mark Murphy. I don't care who cares. Mm-hmm. Um, I work in a matrix environment like my, I have, you know, like I can support people that are not directly my boss and that's okay. <laughs> the, it's it's a complex organization. And again, that said, he sure likes to talk. I think that's kind of been his downfall in the public eye is that Mark Murphy just kind of talks and talks and talks and you go back to the press conference when Goody was introduced, and he Goody didn't get to say anything for like the first twenty minutes. <laughs> um, that was
0: that was wild,
1: right? You know, this whole—I I think everything he said was true. If you go back to the take five, right? The less we say publicly, the better. That's true. I think him saying that he's a complicated fella is true. Was it
0: necessary? Was
1: it good situational awareness? No did does it is it congruent with what he wrote like the in his uh weekly write-up prior prior? no i don't know the context i haven't looked at it too much because honestly it's just exhausting um i doubt it was unprompted i doubt it was hey mark say something and that's the first thing that came out of his mouth unprompted i'm sure there was some question that led up to like hey you know what exactly is going on with the relationship here, and you know, you know, I'm, I'm sure there was some. I would love to hear that part of the quote, the question or whatever led to that. I think that could maybe shed more light on this. But in terms of the fan base who is hoping that Rogers comes back this year and thinks that by Mark Murphy saying this has now somehow put gasoline on a fire or is shooing Aaron Rodgers away. I think on a scale of one to 100, this matters like five. Like, I think it's, I think it's, it's a, it's fun to write about. It's easy to kind of point and laugh and kind of the buffoonery of this type of back-to-back mixed messaging. But at the end of the day, Rogers relationship with the Packers and is not going to get significantly worse or better based off of that comment. That's just, where I end that.
0: Well, and speaking of Aaron Rodgers, talking about our fan question from Tundravision, he says this play this out Rodgers stays to play in 2021, traded in 2022, or Rodgers doesn't play and is traded in 2021. And uh, because of the time, we're just going to focus on um, he had another uh, question to this, but I also want to get to our fill in the blanks quick, but um, with this, I'll just jump in and say, you know, I, a few weeks ago, I talked about how um, because of um, my line of work in professional sports with sign language interpreting and working with sports teams, specifically a lot with the Milwaukee Bucks, and Aaron Rodgers is a part owner of the Milwaukee Bucks. And I want to be sensitive and I want to be aware, and I also want um, not to say that anyone That I work with, or any potential sports team, or even Ryan Rogers would would tune into the Unknown Packers podcast. But I also don't want it to be an oversight uh, uh, on my end, so I do want to be respectful and sensitive to the whole situation. Um, But to answer this question, do I? What do I think when Jordan Love was drafted? You and I, Ken, were going back and forth via text. This is before you joined the Unknown Packers podcast. It was probably the start.
1: Yeah, on, what's draft, that? on draft night. On World draft, draft night,
0: yeah. it was it was the start of a beautiful, beautiful friendship, and it was the start of probably ushering you in to the unknown Packers podcast. You had said, um, "Jordan Love, quarterback, twenty twenty two, book it." And since then, I I, I I believed and I think that's going to happen. I I really don't know what's going to happen with Aaron Rodgers. Um, Does he hold out? Does he retire? Um, Will he show up to training camp? Um, I hope he does because all-in type of season, bringing the band back together, let's go win. Let's go win a fucking championship. Like, let's, let's do this. And just the way his contract is and the salary cap implications, 2022 does seem like the time where the Packers could move on from him. So I don't think... He gets traded this year. Um, I've followed you, obviously. I've listened to you as well as Andrew Brandt, who has tweeted this out that um, Rogers I, stays to play in twenty twenty one, and then he's traded in twenty twenty two.
1: Yeah, that's that's where I am thinking as well. You know, there is only really five options if you think about it. He either comes back and plays on his current contract, he comes back and he plays on an extended contract, he's traded. Uh, he retires or he sits out mm-hmm. i think the most likely is he comes back on his current contract really of all those options i think he plays one more year maybe they throw him a little bit more money but i don't think they extend him he's already got he's got 3 years left on his deal like yep. an extension at this point just doesn't make it just does not make sense if they're looking to move on especially with that many future years like from a financial standpoint it's crippling what that would do mm-hmm. to the packers roster I think he's here. I think they give it one more shot. But hey, if for whatever reason it gets to the point where he decides to dig in and sit this one out or retire, unretire, you know, do some shenanigans that way, I still feel good about this roster. You said it earlier. Same. This is a stack roster, mm-hmm. whether it's Jordan Love or Blake Bortles um leading the helm i honestly i've percent think it'd be jordan love in that right. scenario i feel good about it obviously would i rather have the mvp of the league quarterbacking this team of course but we might not get that option this year mm-hmm. but man i i think he's here and i think this is kind of the last hurrah this team has been constructed this year to bring the band back together I don't think the Packers would have done these type of cap moves um, had they, and just to trade Rodgers away. That, that just, it doesn't, it doesn't line up. It's not congruent. So I'm expecting Rodgers
0: back in the green and gold. It's just a matter of when. I love it. And as we wrap up before the dead zone on tap, I got to fill in the blank for you, Ken. Okay, let's do it. The biggest obstacle for the Packers this season will be Blank. Oof. The biggest obstacle for the
1: Packers this season. (sighs) You know what? I think it's going to be their own success, their own past success. And I say that meaning they're 13 and three their first year under the floor, they're 13 and three the second year of the floor. That's unheard of. To expect that to happen again. And obviously, it can't because there's one more season or one more game. So, okay, 13 and four, 14 and three, however you want to look at it, with you add one win either side. That's really high expectations. And I think, I just I think that as Packer fans and from the outside looking in, we're like, oh, well, if they just bring the band back together, they improve at the draft, they should be able to you know, run it back. Right. But I don't think it's that easy. And I think, They've gotten lucky in the past with some health and with some lucky bounces here and there and some calls here and there. I just, I, I can't see a scenario where where I could predict on the front end 13 wins. It's just, it's hard to do. It's sustained success in this league is hard, especially when the league is set up for parity on the outside where the teams who did poorly the previous year get first dib at the best players and the best chance to improve with that banking on the same guys to perform the way that they did last year you know when i talk about you know past performance robert Tunyon, 11 touchdowns it'd be great if he does that again is that likely man i don't know so then who steps up you know where's that going to come from aj Dillon. oh baby aj Dillon. <laughs> you're a man after my own heart
0: Well, you got to fill in the blank for me. Give me a quick fill in the blank, and then we'll wrap up this episode. Okay.
1: I put out a tweet a while ago, but we haven't had a chance to discuss it. So I'm going to give you that question right now. Who do you feel right now is the most vulnerable veteran, or I say the MVV, left on the Packers roster? And I put four veteran guys out there, guys not on rookie deals, who have a chance of not making this 53-man roster. And my choices I had out there were Lucas Patrick, Devin Funchess, Channon Sullivan, or Will Redmond.
0: So Lucas Patrick, man, he just does all the little things. Um, I just think you can't um, have enough depth. And I think that there will be other players on that line that I, I, just th- I, I can't see Patrick not being on this 53. And then uh, who's the second player again? Funchess. Sullivan Funchess, and Redmond. Man, uh the way coach LaFleur sort of gushed about Funches, like he looks the part his size, um his build, um his experience. It'll be interesting to see if his, you know, his blemishes sort of rear his ugly head in training camp. But um I think he's going to I think he's going to be a key contributor to this offense. I just uh, I just wonder what kind of uh, Funches will get. But man, that size That build combo is enticing, so I think he's okay. Three, who's that again? (laughs) Chandon Sullivan. Sullivan and then Will Redman. I think Chandon Sullivan makes the team. He had a ton of snaps last year. Um, I think that he's continuing to grow. Like like Joe Barry had said, you can't have enough nickel uh, defenders out there, so I think that he highly covets that star position. So I think Shannon Sullivan makes it. But then again, if you've got Adrian Amos and Darnell Savage sort of roaming around, you need safeties back there. But I'm going to say Will Redman is the one. And I know that he's a special teams contributor. But out of all those four, I would say Will Redman.
1: Well, my poll got uh, 2,302 votes. And 20.7% of those voters agree with you with Real Redmond. Surprisingly, Devin Funches at 51.7% of the vote was the lead getter there. For Really? Yeah. And I think this was around the time where Funches had not yet reported uh, to oh. OTAs. And so that was kind of a big topic wow. of conversation. Like, this is a guy who hasn't been in a, uh, on a football field in quite some time uh, with the injury and the opting out of last season. So I think that took the lead, but followed by Lucas Patrick at 15.1% and Channon Sullivan was the least favorite at 12.6. So you, you, uh, you landed with the second most
0: popular vote from our Twitter Hmm. fans. That's a, that's a great question too. And that'll be something that I'll, I'll be keeping an eye on. I, I, I think, uh, yeah, with that wide receiver again, that wide receiver group. Uh, we didn't really highlight, you know, Jawan Winfrey and um, what what he did, sort of turning heads. But uh, Lazard, too. What's that? Lazard uh, making some yeah, plays too. Man, I'm so excited for Lazard. Um, but we'll save that for our next episode. And so uh, the dead zone officially begins next Monday, June 21st, and then it's five full weeks, zero media access so the dead zone begins hence before the dead zone on tap wonderful episode with you ken uh, we picked up right where we left off thank you so much for everyone tuning in any last words before we bid adieu no man
1: i look forward to this last week of otas and uh chatting with you for these five weeks uh figuring out something to uh, to bring the, <laughs> to, to, to bring the listeners
0: each week but i'm sure i'm sure we'll have a good time doing it We'll have some fan questions, some film. Oh, absolutely! We'll we'll have a great time. Well, until next time, UPP and Packer fans. I'm Bryce Christensen, and I'm Ken Ingles, and this is the Unknown Packers Podcast. Thank you so much for following the Unknown Packers podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Unknown Packers, as well as Facebook, Instagram, the Unknown Packers podcast. You can check us out on our website, theunknownpackers.com and a variety of different podcast platforms as well. You can also say, hey, Alexa, play the Unknown Packers podcast. That's right. We're friends with Alexa. Go Pack Go.
1: This podcast was edited and produced by Sonic Transformation. Sonic Transformation. Your sound refined.